Yes, I've known Pastor Fred since I've been 19. So how old am I? 49. How old is he? Barely 49. <laughs> Who's that a thousand years old? Okay, Miss Evelyn. Someday you will be a thousand. That is true. So, uh, just a couple quick things before I get into the word. Um, I have just a few quick prayer requests. I wondered if you would pray with me about two things. Um, our sister Jen Snyder is at home resting. She had some surgery this past Friday. If you would just pray with me for her complete healing and recovery for what needed to happen. Um, she's good. She sent me a text on Friday, said the surgery went well, and they took care of, uh, the doctors took care of everything they needed to take care of. So thank you, Jesus, and um, we're grateful for that. So let's pray for Jen first, and then I got another prayer request after that. So, Father, we just lift Jen up to you and uh, just declare your complete healing, your holy presence, uh, Holy Spirit, just to anoint her, every part of her body, just to remove any and all pain, any swelling, God. Uh, just fill her with your presence from head to toe. We just declare peace to every part of her in Jesus' name. And wholeness in your name we pray. Amen. Now, some of you also may know of our friends um, from GoFam Ministries, John and Amy Clausen. They were here last summer, they come every summer, <laughs> and they're um, dear friends of ours. Their oldest son, Jacob, and his wife, Abby, had a baby girl last Thursday. Her name is Lucille Rose, so she's being called Lucy, so. They're super excited about that. Um, delivery went fine, but they doctors are discovering that she has some heart issues. And so um, she's in like cardiac care unit, and they're like doing some testing on her. And um, one of the last texts that I got from Amy about the heart issue was that um, it was about the pulmonary artery. And her text is, the pulmonary artery is there but it is very small at this point. So pray with us that it enlarges and the heart plumbing becomes aligned. So, um, you know, they're not, there's not like this grave, grave concern at, at this point, but you know, there's concern. And so we just want to uh, agree with them in prayer that Lucy's heart would pump and all the arteries and the plumbing would work as it's designed to. Um, they, when she was in the womb, doctors were questioning, you know, maybe she might need a heart surgery. Um, that hasn't been forecasted at this moment. But um, they were marveling often since she'd been born how good her color looks. You know, that she, she's, her skin is pink, you know, things are, the blood is flowing, but, you know, God's got to finish the rest. Amen? Amen. So. We just lift up Lucy to you, Father, in the name of Jesus, this precious new life that has come to earth, and we just declare your health and wholeness over her. We stand and declare that the pulmonary artery would enlarge, that it would be to its normal size that it needs to be for her little body, in Jesus' name, that all the other arteries and veins and all the other things that are associated with the heart and the muscle, that they would work as you designed them to in Jesus' yes. name, that she would have great blood flow throughout her body in the name of Jesus. We are declaring this miracle in Jesus' name. No heart surgery in Jesus' name. Heal this little one. In your name we pray, God. Amen. So, thank you so much for praying with me about those things, because it's so good. It's good to pray for each other. It's good to, I don't know about you, but when I am in 
times of distress. And I reach out to my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and I say, pray for me. There's just such a weight that's lifted. There's a burden that I know that I have no longer, that I no longer have to carry myself. And um, sometimes, you know, life gets overwhelming. And uh, we need each other to, to lift each other up. So, thank you. All right. Excuse me. So, for any of you that know our family, you've probably heard me say this before, that we are a family that enjoys action-adventure stuff. And, um... (laughs) So, um, we were watching this uh, thing on Disney Plus that's called Agent Carter, and it's a, so it's about the secret agent, you know, that she was all fancy and all in the things after World War II. And um, if you're familiar with, you know, the Captain America movie, she's Peggy Carter, Captain America's girlfriend, that kind of thing, and it's like a spinoff from uh, the movie. Anyway, so we're having the chance to watch an episode a couple weeks ago, and um, this is a true story. I'm not making this up. And um, (laughs) in this episode, you know, Peggy is dueling things out with the enemy, and she's in this warehouse, and she's kind of like on this guardrail, and the guardrail kind of collapses, and Peggy lands on this pallet, but it has like these steel rods hanging out. I'm sorry, what? Rebar. Rebar. Oh, that means anything to you? Fine. Anyway. <laughs> so, she lands on her back, and she, one of the rebars, goes like through her spleen. And so she's in quite a bit of pain, and this and that. And so, like, we're all, like, you know, we're watching it, and we're making comments about her being impaled and all these other things. And my lovely son says, Mom, have you ever been impaled? And I like, uh, no, that's not something that happens in my everyday life. <laughs> and I'm so I'm just like, okay, well, this is not the question that I thought was going to come forth from this discussion. But um, I'm like, okay. So I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not the secret agent, Joshua, that you think I am. But um, I have never been impaled. Um, there's not too many people that I know that have been impaled, but um, I don't want to know if you've been impaled. I mean, I'm glad if you survived, but um, it was just it was just such a, a funny thing. And um, so, you know, it kind of tempted us to think of all the movies that we've seen over the years and who's been impaled and survived. So, you know, we had to think of Olaf from the first Frozen movie. You know, he makes a point of telling everybody that he was impaled. And uh, one of the guys in the first Thor movie, one of the Warriors 3, he gets hung up a little bit. But um, anyway, we will live. Amen? (laughs) The title of my sermon today is called The Spirit of Prophecy. And... God gave it to me over the last week, and actually it was kind of a struggle because I desire to be in his word more. And as I was seeking him for this word, that's where he put me. But this is a new experience in that it wasn't just... I had a message and then I need to find scriptures to fit the word. It was, I'm giving you a book. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And there's a message that's attached. And um, before we get into the meat of the book that he gave me that we're going to study today, God led me in the direction that We need to um, 
make a foundation. He's, he laid out a foundation of what we're going to discuss today in the spirit, about the spirit of prophecy. And so the first question that God gave to me is, what is a prophet? What is a prophet? A prophet was and is God's mouthpiece. He is Papa's human instrument through which his messages are delivered to mankind. Now often we see and we hear in scripture that the angels are God's messengers. And that is true. They are, but so are we. The heart of the message of a prophet, all prophecy needs to point to Jesus. The prophecy from God points to Jesus. In Revelation 19.10, it says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So any words that have come forth from God through man since the beginning, since the beginning of time, for it to be prophecy of the purest kind, it centers around Jesus. And as the focus is Jesus, it will come to pass. Now, most of us are familiar with the Bible in one form or another. Um, And so, you know, through your Bible reading, that many people from Old Testament prophesied about Jesus. Moses, David, Isaiah, Daniel, even Father God in the, in the garden proclaimed his plan to the enemy that his days were numbered and the sun would appear to crush him forever. So how cool is that? You know, like God is prophesying about God coming. God, Father God is prophesying about the sun coming and what's going to happen in the future to the enemy, Satan. And so, along with the heart of the message, God was speaking to me about timing. You know, what is his timing, or how do I know his timing in terms of prophecy? And so you may ask, you know what, does God have a schedule of timing when prophecies come to pass? And my answer to you would be yes. (laughs) But, there's a but, it is God's timing and his alone. Prophecy doesn't have a shelf life. They don't expire and are fulfilled as the Lord desires. Some take tens of years. Others take in hundreds of years. Some even take thousands of years. But in the end, it is God that has his way. He is sovereign, and he will do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, and it has been that way now and forever, and it's going to be about him and his desire for us. It's his plan. It's as often you hear him uh, people say about history. It's his story. It's God's story for mankind and his desire for all of us. And so as God gave me this basic foundation of what a prophet is, he took me on a journey to discover or just basically outline the impact that prophets had on Israel's history. Throughout the history of the nation of Israel, prophets have been a key element to urge the people of God to remain faithful to him and to remind them of what may occur if they don't, if they're not faithful to him. The nation of Israel has a, has a rich history. And um, if you're like me, unless you've been exposed to it over the years, you, you may not understand it or um, realize what it is in all of its entirety. And I would encourage you to check out the Old Testament. Some people are afraid to get into the Old Testament. There are times when it's 
laborious and boring and hard to get through. And there are certain chapters that, uh, books that people are like, ah, you know, like they start, you know, the reading plan for, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. And then sometimes, you know, I don't, I've never done it myself, (laughs) but I've heard people say stories that when they get along to like Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers, that those reading plans just kind of fall by the wayside because they can't make it. (laughs) But the Old Testament is not to fear. We are bigger than the Old Testament. And it's good. I mean, even though it's boring at times, it's good. But then there's super crazy, exciting things in there too. And this is the super crazy, exciting things. These are the books that I'm going to tell you to look at. So, it, the books of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles, you're going to find uh, big accounts of, the, of Israel and how they became a nation and how they became an earthly kingdom. Now, this covers the stories of David and David and Goliath, and then there's Samuel, and then there's King Saul, and... Uh, other kings and how the kingdom of Israel became established here on the earth. So I'm just going to give you some quick highlights of the history of Israel. Most of us are familiar with the story of how the nation of Israel desired an earthly king since all the other nations around them had one. Feeling rejected by men to be their king because God wanted to be their king, you know. God granted them their heart's desire. And they gave it, he gave them a king. And the kingship of Saul began. Now, if you read in uh, First and Second Samuel, you'll discover Saul's story in more kind of story-ish form. And so after Saul, then came David and Solomon after him. So up until the end of King Solomon's reign, the kingdom of Israel was united. All right. Tune in for this next exciting sequel. So uh, Solomon had a son, Rehoboam, and it was under Rehoboam, Solomon's son, that the kingdom of Israel was split in two. These two kingdoms of Israel were then known as the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. How complicated is that? So the northern kingdom was known as Israel or Ephraim and consisted of the ten, uh, I'm calling it the middle tribes of Israel. Not the oldest son tribe, or not the youngest tribe, but all the middle children tribes. <laughs> the northern kingdom was ruled by Jeroboam, the captain of Solomon's guard. That's where the northern kingdom, Israel, began its rule. And the southern kingdom was known as Judah, which consisted of two tribes, the first and the last tribes of Israel, Judah and Benjamin. Judah was the oldest son of Israel, or Jacob, and Benjamin was the youngest son. And Judah was ruled by Rehoboam. So as years go on in these separate kingdoms, there was much turmoil and division and and disunity. And both kingdoms had years of which there were kings that did right in the eyes of the Lord and honored him. And kings that did right in their own eyes and were quite evil. These evil kings of either kingdom allowed other gods to be worshipped and placed above the one true God, Yahweh. And as these pagan gods and their rituals were practiced by these evil kings and the majority of the people, it took them farther and farther into their own wayness, and this did not sit well with God. Fancy that, huh? So, 
despite the rejection of the people of both kingdoms, despite God being rejected by them, Yahweh was still the God of Israel and of Judah. God wasn't more with Judah than it was Israel. God was still God of both of them. He still desired for them to come back to him. That's all he ever wanted back then, and that's all he wants now. So over the years for both kingdoms, God sent prophets, his messengers, to warn the people and tell them of things to come, including times of exile and captivity by other kingdoms. Now, let me just say, when prophets had messages of exile and captivity, I'm sure they weren't on the popular list. I'm sure they didn't have a bunch of followers on Facebook saying, ooh, got to tune into that one. The prophets, I'm sure, and you've heard stories, and, and I don't know all the ins and outs, but, you know, they were put in wells, they were beat up, they were... Threatened, their lives were threatened. Um, probably, you name it, it had been done to them. So, in 721 BC, the kingdom of Israel was taken into captivity by Assyria and remained in captivity, captivity not to return. The capital of Israel was Samaria, and its people were known as the Samaritans. That's where the Samaritan part comes in. You hear that? You hear Jesus talk about um, the good Samaritan in his parable. You know, when the kingdom split, the north was known as the Samaritans, the south was known as the Jews. And these two groups of people didn't care for each other. And so for the kingdom of Judah, their their people would be taken into captivity three times by the Babylonians in 606 B.C. and 538 B.C. by the Persians and in 332 B.C. by the Macedonians. Now I'm making this brief, so if you want all the details, go through your Bible, go Google it, get all that stuff. And each of these times, in terms of Judah's captivity, there would be opportunity for the people, known as the Jews, to return home back to Judah. And Jerusalem was their capital and the location of their temple. So besides telling the people or giving them the people the message about what was going to happen in terms of captivity and all these things because they chose to do their own thing and not follow God. There was also a message of hope woven in there. And any of us who have heard of the prophet Isaiah or Micah, um, Jeremiah, And I'm sure there's others. The prophets also foretold about the coming of Jesus, the hope who was and is the one true king that would come out of Judah and that would rule over them all. He was their hope. So the prophets didn't have just a message of gloom and despair and, oh, this is horrible, which it was. But they also had a measure of hope that was attached to it. And you know, sometimes when we get prophetic words, there are some times when when God will speak something that seems rather harsh. But then there's always a message or there's always some word of hope or encouragement or exhortation that you know what, this might be hard right now, but it's going to get better. It's going to get easier. I have faith in you. I believe in you. 
however God speaks that to you. So it's good (laughs) that uh, God was able to help these prophets. The Holy Spirit spoke hope as well. Um, So as it relates to the spirit of prophecy, God's next place that he took me And this is the book that we're going to talk about, is the book of Zephaniah. And um, if you'd like to turn to the book of Zephaniah, you may. It's uh, in the Old Testament. I'll help you with that. (laughs) Begins with a Z, ends with an H. There's other letters in between. I would ask my students to spell it his name, but I'm sure they would be kind of fearful of that. Um, (laughs) uh, Just before I go a little further, I want to let you know that most of the history, most of the stuff that I pulled out about the kingdoms of Israel and Judah um, and what's going to come out about Zephaniah comes from this book it's called A Popular Survey of the Old Testament by Norman L. Giesler and years ago Pastor Fred went to Heart for the Nations Bible School did Apostle Tim teach this class? Apostle Tim taught the class. <laughs> and even 20 or so years later, the book still has good relevance. It's good stuff. Okay? So, thankfully, the book of Zephaniah is three chapters long. So, we're not going to read it all. I'm just going to touch on some highlights of the book of Zephaniah. And if you're, when God gave me this name, I was like, I've heard of the dude, but I have no clue what he's done, what he's known for, what what does that mean to me? So here we go. Zephaniah, he was a prophet who served under King Josiah, one of the few righteous kings of Judah, from about 640 to 609 B.C. So many of us have heard about King Josiah. The name Zephaniah means hidden by Jehovah. Zephaniah was born during the reign of the evil king Manasseh, which may mean, which may be the reason why he was hidden. He was protected by the Lord for a future time. The overall theme of this book is the vindication of God. And the word vindicate means to free from allegation or blame to confirm, to substantiate, to provide justification or defense for, for, or a defense for, to justify. And it would be through his prophecy, through Zephaniah's prophetic declarations, that Jehovah's judgment on Judah and the surrounding Gentile nations would be correct. Now, before we get uh, into this a little bit further, I want to take a second and I want to pray. Because as God uh, points out certain messages that have been given through Zephaniah for the period or the people of his time, he then gave me a piece. 
for you for our time. So this is new territory for me. <laughs> I God is cool. And um, as this was unfolding, I was quite amazed that he did it. That he, and, and he works through me, I, I get that. But in terms of the way that he speaks to me, this is not a train that I've been on before. And I'm kind of okay with it, but um, I think it was kind of freaking my husband out because I spent <laughs> from like 10.30 a.m. to like 6 o'clock p.m. working on this diligently. So, anyway. So, as we get into this a little bit deeper, Papa, we just come before you. We want what you want, God. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to speak to our hearts. Remove any distractions. Remove any confusion. The only voice that we want to hear, God, is yours. And yours alone. And so, as what comes forth prophetically is delivered, God. May it speak to our hearts. Open our spirits, God, to who you are. Open our spirits, Holy Spirit, to what you want to do and what you want to work on. In Jesus' name, amen. There are three parts to Zephaniah that good old Norman outlined, which I truly appreciate it. And it carries... Uh, a three R message. It's it's three words that begin with R, the letter R, and they are retribution, repentance, and redemption. Retribution. Webster's dictionary. Of the prefix to this word, re, R-E, means back. Retribution literally means payback. This word is often used when speaking about revenge. Some of the synonyms include payback or reprisal, requital, retaliation, revenge, and vengeance. Now, if you look in your Bible, chapter 1 of Zephaniah, if you got a fancy Bible like mine that has, like, themes and highlights to it, fun stuff. That first chapter, we're not going to go into huge detail, but it just basically describes the judgment that God will bring on Judah and the nations. God was jealous that Judah was after other gods. Yahweh wanted to be the object of their affection. And because a majority of the people chose to do what was evil and right in their own eyes, their choices had consequences. The same is true today, right now. God is the only one who can judge the nations. He is the only one who can and will judge the hearts and souls of men. He is not fooled by the wicked. They will have their day of judgment. And that is his day and his time and his alone. It's not up to you to bring retribution to the world. It's up to God and to him only. And God further spoke that this is not a vengeance against flesh and blood, but it's a vengeance against the enemy 
who is stirring men and women to execute his mission to steal, kill, and destroy. We have all witnessed stealing, killing, destroying happening in front of our eyes recently. We've witnessed that people are playing a part and actively executing the schemes of the devil. And Holy Spirit is putting out a call. And he is saying that men and women need to make a choice to pursue a higher way. Papa's way. The way of love and forgiveness and intentional action. Instead of the way of unchecked emotion, hate, unforgiveness, and reaction. There's a huge battle between the forces of good and evil right now. And all of us have seen it. But Papa wants you to be a, re, wants you to be encouraged and to be reassured that he will have his way. God will have his way in the earth. There is hope. Repentance. The word repent means to go in the opposite way. And this past Friday night, Pastor Fred was talking about repentance with the youth group. And sometimes, and I know I've done it, people misspeak and they're talking about repentance and turning around and going away and they say something like, oh, I just did a 360. When actually what they meant was they did a 180. <laughs> because a 360 is all the way around back to the same point where you were. A 180 is going halfway and going in the opposite way. I know I've done it. So, repentance is about turning from our way to God's way, and it's a change of your mind, a change of your heart, and a change of attitude. Chapter 2 of Zephaniah is a call to repentance. Before God's judgment, Judah would have a time for repentance. In verses 1 through 3, he employs implores Judah to seek the Lord. In verse 3, it says, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. You do what he commands. Seek the Lord. So in Zephaniah's time, they were under the Old Testament, the Old Covenant requirements of the law to be made right with God. Thankfully today, we are under the New Testament, New Covenant of being free from the bondage of the law and repentance is something that's not so complicated. Repentance is now. Papa wants it now. You don't have to wait for the perfect time to repent. The perfect time is now. Because of Jesus, we have access to Papa. And he wants you to be free of everything that holds you back. Repent to Papa for our wrong beliefs. For our attitudes, for our judgments and assumptions about others. Repenting about stuff, about things that divide us, wrong attitudes, letting our thoughts go in directions that they don't need to. 
need to be careful about passing judgment on other people for what they do or what they don't do or the decisions they do or don't make. When you put yourself in that position, that can be dangerous. When you place your thoughts and your will over somebody else, that can end in disaster for your relationship. So God wants you to be reminded that we are not God. (laughs) Only God is God. What truth is there? So repentance, it starts with you and your circle of influence. And this brought me back to when Jen was preaching last week. She spoke about being aware of how the Holy Spirit works through you. Be aware of how the Holy Spirit works through you in terms of repentance. He's going to work through you to bring about change in this world. Now, a lot of stuff is going on in the world, and um, people are, are feeling moved to be part of protests or um, calm gatherings or the opposite. <laughs> and that's, the crazy stuff is not so cool, but, you know, you don't have to be a part of the protest to say that you want change. You can, if you want to, or if God tells you to, that's fine. But change starts, repentance starts right here, right now, where you are. It starts with Papa, it starts with your spouse, it starts with your children, your parents, your siblings, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. And along with repentance may come an asking for forgiveness. Forgiveness and repentance often go together. And forgiveness, whether asking for it, receiving it, and giving it, it's critical to the restoration and strengthening of relationships. You've heard us preach many times about forgiveness and how vital that is to relationships. The third R, redemption. The word redeem means to buy back, to get or win back, to free from what distresses or harms us. It is also to free from captivity by payment of a ransom. To help to overcome something detrimental. To release from blame or debt. To free from the consequences of sin. All of these meanings have always been at the heart of Papa. In chapter 3 of Zephaniah, it reveals how God will fight for his people and how the tongues of the other nations will be silenced. One of my favorite verses is found in chapter 3, and it's verse 17. And this was something that spoke to the heart of Judah back then, and it is a reminder that speaks to you right now. And verse 17 states, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you but will rejoice over you with singing. That's the NIV version. But the New American Standard says it just a bit differently, so I'll say that too. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy. He will quiet, he will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. 
He rejoices over you with shouts of joy. Jesus, his son, has redeemed us. And we, as his sons and daughters, get to walk in the fullness of redemption. And he's also giving us the call that we need to tell the world, those around us, those who we come in contact with, that they are worthy of being redeemed. He didn't just come for you. He didn't just come for me. He just didn't come from the, for the shiny rich people on the hill or the lowest of the low. He came for us all, and he wants us all. His word says over and over and proclaims that he wants none to perish. None means none. I had, I mean, I know this situation is way far gone, but I had the thought, like, maybe a year ago, I was like, well, does that mean the devil? <laughs> and God was like, no, he's done. <laughs> God wants no one to perish. And it's up to us. We get that honor and privilege of carrying the name of Jesus, of pouring out his love to those around us. Now, there are some times we find ourselves in situations where we come across perfect strangers. In stores, at wedding receptions, in planes, trains, automobiles, I don't know. We have opportunity to speak light and truth and love into this world. I encourage you, Papa encourages you to take it. There's not a right way or a wrong way. However, Holy Spirit works through you. I had a friend call me the other day, and she's rather new to the prophetic and hearing God's voice. And she called and, and she said, you know, I'm on this journey. You know I've been on this journey, and I'm, I'm seeking God's voice, and I'm still unsure about this. But I had to call and tell you. And she's like, please don't think I'm weird. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a freak or whatever. And I'm like, honey, you're not. <laughs> I said, be at peace. Tell me what God has to say. She said, it means nothing to me. But what often happens is God will give me the name of someone. And it repeats in my head over and over. And until I deliver the message or the sentence that he's given me, I have a headache and things bother me and I just have to get it done. And I said, okay, well then don't torture yourself any further. <laughs> give me what you got. And she said to me, let it go. I said, well, that wasn't so hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. Working in prophecy, talking to people, hearing God's voice for other people doesn't have to be that complicated. It can be simple as let it go. Or as simple as the message that Melissa received often in her early Christian life. God really loves you. God really loves you. Now sometimes God will give you more than a sentence to say, and that's okay. But you need to realize that it's God who's giving you the words to speak. And so often we can get confused, not necessarily confused, but we can take it personally like, oh, that didn't go how I thought it would. It's not up to you. You just plant the seed. You let it go. It's up to God 
to make it be fruitful, for it to be watered and tended and that kind of thing. So, God rejoices over you with shouts of joy. We get to walk in the fullness of redemption. And again, we are in our rightful place now as sons and daughters of the Most High King. And it's because of Jesus. It all comes back to Jesus. So let me encourage you by saying, Papa has a plan for you. And I would encourage you to press into that. So Papa, we just come before you. And we want all that you have to offer us. God, is we've given you permission to work in our hearts and to clean out all the junk. We want to be pure and holy before you, God. And we want to come after you, Jesus, with all that we are. Our hearts are yours, God. Fill us with the love and the grace and an anointing that people can see. That people can hear. Because God, we are your vessels. And in doing such, in being your vessels, God, we want to be used by you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your love. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for how much you care about us and how much you want us to be the sons and the daughters that you designed us to be. As we go forth from this place today, God, May you, the message of redemption, the message of redemption resonate in our hearts and may it go forth and be in how we speak to others, how we treat each other, and how we love on each other. And we just ask all this in Jesus' name.